Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, November the 9th, 2017, and we are reading from the big book on page XVI, the foreword to the second edition, the first paragraph prior to his journey to Akron through two paragraphs ending vital to permanent recovery and commenting on both. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Toby K, 12 Traditions, Rocky E, readers of the text, Katie G, Naomi B, and Carmela G. The reference number for Wednesday, November the 8th, 7 a.m. meeting is 10649, and the 10 a.m. meeting is 10651. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Toby Kay to read the 12 steps. Press star one, Toby. Can you hear me okay? We can now, thank you. Thank you. One, we admitted we were powerless over food. Um, Is it right if I say the food word? Mm hmm. Okay, sorry. We admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Came to believe, two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, 
praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Toby K. And Rocky E. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, visionaries. This is Rocky E. from New York, um, a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, Thank you all for your service. Um, The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is the one ultimate authority, a loving God as as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related faculties or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from my primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, though we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Rocky E. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overreaders only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in the forward to the second edition, page XVI, first paragraph, prior to his journey to Akron, through two paragraphs ending vital to permanent recovery and commenting on both. Katie G., could you start the reading for us, please? Good morning, Linus. This is Katie G., recovered Compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. Good morning, my fellows. 
Prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help another alcoholic, but he had succeeded in only in keeping sober himself. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture, which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry the message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness that he had never before been able to muster. He sobered never to drink again up until the moment of his death in 1950. This seemed, to be pro this seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no other non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. Let me start my timer. Wahoo, there is a lot here. Starting my timer. Um, yeah, let's see. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry the message to another alcoholic. I mean, you know, in the beginning, I didn't even know what message I was carrying. And um, when I finally got this message, like, I'll never forget the first time I heard this gentleman who was recovered, who explained to me Dr. Silkworth's description of my problem, of my allergy of the body, and with this constant um, self-obsession and this spiritual remedy that actually had nothing to do with the spiritual means that I was try trying. I mean... I remember going to um, with this yoga retreat center, and it was this amazing place that you were supposed to practice the art of conscious eating. And um, I just hooked up with all the bulimics and anorexics and then, you know, spent the time by the um, vending machine, right, because I didn't know what my problem is. And I remember the frustration of talking to therapists and saying, when is understanding all this mishigash about it was tough growing up? Like, when is it going to make me stop doing these crazy things? I can't stop. And, um, and until I heard the light on and, and, and heard that I cannot stop myself from starting after a period of sobriety. And, and when I'm in that, you know, phenomenon craving, I can't stop. Like, I am doomed to an alcoholic death unless I follow the exact prescribed um, remedy, spiritual remedy, 12 steps as they are outlined in this big book. And um, it is proof. Strenuous work. Now, what does strenuous mean? Arduous, hard, taxing, tiring. You know, I'm really committed to my phone, and that might sound crazy, but I, I take my phone, I take phone calls and I make phone calls because I know that you know, and it's not just phone calls. I understand that. That was just an example. But showing up when it's not comfortable, showing up when I'm tired, showing up when I'm when it's the end of the day, and all I want to do is lie on the couch, and I don't want to hear someone else's mishigash. Death of self for successful living. I have to tell you, it's like, yeah, it's okay. So maybe it's strenuous, but it's a good drug. It's a good drug. It helps. It gets me out of me, and I am the problem. And you know, I know this, I say this a lot, but like, I always think that if I have a big problem, I need to go think on it. Like, let me just go take a big think on it in KDG's room and I'm going to solve it with my KDG powers. Main problems in your mind, KDG, get out of your mind, get out of your mind. And um, I'll just close with this, like, 
Who doesn't want to talk about it being vital to permanent recovery? You guys, vital is permanent, vital is life giving. It is like my heart beating. It is like my lungs. I have to do it every day. Excuse me. I get to do it every day. It is a privilege. And when I do it, I get to stay alive one more day. So I'm going to keep showing up with all you guys with shoulder to shoulder. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. The floor is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your Mr. name just as it helps me hear everyone. Matt Who would like to share this morning? Ms. R. M. 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 Lauren N. Let me tell you who I got so far, and then we'll pick up people on the next round, because I heard Nessa R, Matt M, somebody S, Vasa O, and Lauren N. Who was the somebody S? Anne M. Tina M. Oh, Anne, A-N-N-E-F. Okay, Tina S. All right, let's go with this list right now and we'll pick up everybody on the second round. I have Nessa R, Matt M, Ann F, Vasa O, Lauren N. And I think it was Tina S at the end there. Okay, Nessa R, would you like to start us off, please? Followed by Matt M. Yes, thank you. I, I would first want to apologize for uh, for jumping on before you uh, have finished talking. Um, my name is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So uh, this association had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but failed. I just, um, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot. Like, what is the message? You know, we our job. Um, as individuals and as meetings um, is to carry the message. And there's really only one message. The message is that we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind that make us powerless over food. And it can only be arrested by practicing the 12 steps um, as outlined in this book in entire abstinence uh, to open ourselves up to the solution to the powerlessness, which is God. And it has to be done in that order, you know. Um, if it didn't, many religious people um, who are devout practitioners of their um, respective faiths, um, you wouldn't see any addicts among them. And the fact is that we do. I mean, I, I am a prime example. I'm an Orthodox Jew, and, um, you know, I am a compulsive overeater. Um, so uh, why do you know my, my, my devotion, my prayers, you know, my spiritual life lead me to recovery prior to to my uh, my coming into contact with this book because I didn't practice it in abstinence and that's the same thing that happened here you know we need to be entirely abstinence abstinent before spiritual measures can be effective and that makes perfect sense to me because you know I don't have access to God when I'm worshiping another little G God, you know, and in my case, it was the food. I got to remove that blockage first. You know, God is not going to compete with the God of my choice, which, which has been food all along. Um, you know, I, I have two gods, but I can only serve one master while I'm serving, um, um, the master of food. I cannot serve the true spiritual master up in the heavens. 
And so, you know, the message is you got to work it, but you got to work it in that order. And while you're working it, you have to remain abstinent. Um, that's just really a must. And this is the importance of Dr. Sokor's work. He was the one who identified the true nature of our illness. And that's why we read it first before we read anything else in this book. You know, to not do so would just set us up for failure. So thank God uh, for Dr. Sokor. Thank, thank God for this very clear order that was set out in this book, which has led me to a recovery and to a, a life that I could have never, ever imagined in my wildest dreams. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Madam, it's your turn, followed by Anne S. Can you hear me, Lynn? Yes, thank you. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater. Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, he Bill told to Dr. Bob. And Bill W. has had his own experience, strength, and hope to give. He needed to be able to talk to another alcoholic or he would drink again. After that failed business deal, he, he, he was giving a lot of self-pity, a lot of his self-worth was in the toilet, and he needed to go out and need to help other people, and that's what he did. He had the willingness to do that. That's his higher power working in his life, pushing him forward. Like, I, I need my higher power in my life right now since I'm struggling. I'm working and on myself, and I'm working on my, with my sponsor. And it's not always easy. There's good days and bad days, but I'm not alone. I have friends I can call. I make sure I get out of my head. I call my friend, and I talk to her on the phone who's in program, or I make an outreach call to a newcomer, or I do something to get out of myself because it's not always all about me. The world does not revolve around that, his problems. So that's how I get out of my head, to get out of my own self, self-will, self self-worth, uh, to get out of my own self-head, my own self determination I have to have to keep myself going. And, uh, you know, it's true that no alcoholic, that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. You know, it's strenuous work just to, just to get out of myself sometimes, and I'm grateful I do because I always get a new perspective on something or I always get a new point of view from someone else to question my own morals and question my, my own beliefs and philosophies which I need because, again, I can get stuck in my own head sometimes too much, and it's not easy to get out. That's why when I started digging myself a hole, I put the shovel down and I make a phone call. So I'm grateful that just for today I can stop beating myself up. But as my friend says, put the sledgehammer down and start getting out of my own self and helping others when battle pass. Thank you, Madam. And F, it's your turn, followed by Vasa O. Hi, it's Anne F. Washington, and I focus on this sentence. He suddenly realized that in order to save his son, he must carry the matter to another alcoholic. And I came to OA in 1988, and all I did is literally in, in meetings, and in 1999, I focused on a full pan, lost 100 pounds, and then I left the moves, came back in um, 2013, and then I realized I must uh, focus on spirit allergy and also work with ours because unless I carry the medicines I may not stay at the rest 
and uh, more uh, our time because I realize what I um, what do. Also, people started to ask me, "What are you doing?" Because they noticed a change in me when I lost the Harvard Park this time. I look different because I was watching the sets with another Kabbalah uh, only eater, and that did different. Now I spotted many people in freak progress, and I let God bring people to me. I don't put up my name, but people call me, and that's how it works. I let God be my guide, and I was grateful. I want to die as a cover of me and be as much. A pass. Thank you, and F. Vasa O, it's your turn, followed by Lauren N. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Florida. I had no knowledge what was my problem. I knew I had problem with the food, trying to control it by myself, by my willpower for decades. The more I got, the message that I got when I came to over, over It Is Anonymous was, in the doctor's opinion, my sponsor told me I had the allergy of the body with the mental obsession. And I could identify, I could identify with the speakers, I could identify with the people. I was suffering from the same disease they were suffering, but I did not know they called it a disease, and that really terrified me. And they said that we can arrest the disease um, one day at a time. And I felt like relieved. It was not going to kill me, you know, if I did what um, what it's here, what the suggestions are to do here in the big book, what the recipe is. And I had the gift of desperation, and I, my sponsor said the only way we can arrest the disease is by surrendering to the power greater than ourselves and the 12 steps. By then, I was so sick and tired of being being sick and tired. I was so ready and so willing, even though I was I was terrified when I heard. I like the higher power, but God, it's just, I like the, to hear the higher power better. And I was ready, and I was just so, so willing, because I had to give, I, I was so desperate. And uh, that was the key for me. And to be 100% abstinent from, um, from the, uh, my addictive foods, I would call the allergies, which for me is the sugars. And, of course, and, you know, I like to eat quantities too, and to eat in, you know, like breakfast, lunch, and supper, and I used to graze, I was like a grazer, and my husband would say, yes, Vasa, you eat only one meal, you start early in the morning, you don't finish till nighttime, and then at nighttime, I'd get up and go to the bathroom, I'd check the refrigerator, but I did not call, I didn't know it was the disease, 
I learned that all right here. And, okay, in order to keep what we have, we have to get away. We have to give it away. So, and I worked the program like crazy. I really, I was, I was, I'll wrap it up. I was traveling, going here and there, but it was all worth it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Lauren N., it's your turn, followed by Tina S. Good morning, Lynn. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Hi, all visionaries. It's wonderful to be on this line. Uh, Good morning and happy, whatever, today is Thursday, I guess. Happy Thursday. Um, How incredible this, this sentence, these sentences are. Um, um, This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no, as no non-alcoholic could. It is also indicated that strenuous work one alcoholic with another was vital to permanent recovery. Thank God for that. I have learned one day at a time that only by working with others can I stay clean and sober and in service. Can I understand that that what goes on in my head is not real. It's what I've made up. It's what I think is real for the moment. But it's not reality. Reality is something that I'm reminded of when I listen to this meeting. Reality is not wah, 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 all about me. That's what goes on in my head every morning before I get on this call. And it's only by being on this call and hearing all you all and making my phone calls and doing service that I get out of that wah, wah, wah and realize that I have a lot to offer. I think I don't until I realize I do. And that's wonderful. So thank you all for being on this line and for giving me everything just by being available. So, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. Tina S., it's your turn. Thanks, Lynn. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Heard some really great shares. Thanks so much. Uh, You know, I I really like the beginning of this where it says, this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but it had failed. You know, and they're talking about Dr. Bob here. And, you know, if if my history doesn't, isn't teaching me wrong, that he was originally part of the Oxford group. And so just going to uh, being part of that faith-based organization didn't solve his problem you know so in order for me to have a spiritual solution i need to know what my problem is and it tells me that in the doctor's opinion that i have an allergy of the body an obsession of the mind and that i have to clear my body of those allergies in order to have my mind cleared 
to even be open to a solution, regardless that it's a spiritual solution. You know, I remember people telling me if I had a spiritual malady, I needed a spiritual solution. You know, because I didn't come looking for no spiritual solution. You know, I'm real grateful that I stayed and through the process of the 12 steps that I've had a transformation of body and mind so that I live today one day at a time, you know, to the best of my ability on spiritual ground. You know, I am by no means perfect. That's why we got step 10, you know, when I'm disturbed or something wrong right here and that I can clear this stuff up. But I love that they talk about Dr. Bob here, you know, and that originally Dr. Bill, you know, went to him because if he did not carry this message, he would not stay sober himself. And then again, and to close, it says, and that um, this seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, strenuous work, one alcoholic with another was vital, you know, vital to permanent recovery. And, um, and that's what I strive for today, one day at a time. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. For those of us just coming on the line, we're reading the forward to the second edition, page XVI, the first paragraph, starting with prior to his journey to Akron, through two paragraphs ending vital to permanent recovery and commenting on both. So who would like to share? Lisa P. I'll tell you who I heard. I heard Harlan G, Irene, Maura Z, Leah, and I think there were two others I missed. Lisa B. Lisa B. And sorry, one more. Lisa B. Got you, Lisa. Okay, we've got Harlan G, Irene, Maura Z, Leah. And Lisa B. Let's go with that lineup, and then we'll go again. Okay, Harlan G. Please go ahead. Thank you very much, Lynn, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this wonderful meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And let's take a look at what's happening here because it's historically very important. It's going to change the course of life on planet Earth as we know it. It is March of 1935. Bill has been sober since December, the middle of December, 34. He now has one, two, three months of sobriety. He is pulling drunks off bar stools in New York. He's going down into these bars, and he's dragging these drunks to the Oxford group meetings. They don't want to go. He's dragging them to his house. Lois is feeding them. They're boarding them in their little whatever apartment, and nothing is happening. He is about to leave in about a few days for Akron, Ohio, on a proxy fight over a tool and die company in Akron, Ohio, and he is frustrated, and he comes home, and Lois comes home a little later than him, and he says to Lois, it doesn't work. This doesn't work. I thought that I was supposed to sober up drunk. That's the vision God gave me. And he's very upset, and he says to Lois, this doesn't work. And Lois turns to him and could have said, yeah, you're right, it doesn't work, don't do it anymore. And he would have died drunk, and we wouldn't have the fellowship. She was too smart for that, or she was God-inspired. I like to think of the latter solution. She says to him, but you're staying sober. 
and she says to him, why don't you go see Dr. Silkworth? And he does. In March of 35, he goes to see Silkworth. Silkworth pulls his glasses off and says, I've heard about some of the shenanigans you're pulling out there with these drunks in the bars. Why don't you stop preaching at these drunks from some moral hilltop talking about God and start telling them what I told you about the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind? And Bill Wilson says, okay. Now he leaves for Akron, Ohio, and through a series of things, which we don't have time to go into in three minutes, he gets in touch with Dr. Bob Smith. Bob Smith was a more religious man than Bill. Bob Smith had been in the Oxford group longer than Bill when he meets him in May of 35. But Bill was sober and Bob was drunk. What was the difference? I'm not knocking religion here. Religion's fine. I'm not knocking it. But Bob had tried religious methods of getting rid of his drink obsession, and it didn't work. But when he started spiritual exercises in the Oxford group, the six steps, he never found it necessary to drink again throughout his life and died in 1950, in November of 50, with 15 years of sobriety. He worked the steps, the spiritual means of recovery. And this was the difference. He bridged the gap between religion and spiritual practices, never to drink again as long as he lived. And Bill stopped talking to him about God at first and told Bob. Bob was a doctor, but he didn't really know about the allergy or the obsession of the mind, the twist of the mind. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Irene M., it's your turn, followed by Maura Z. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. I'm very grateful to be here today with all of you. So, you know, once we go through the steps and we receive the gift of recovery, we then live in a new way of living, and that's living in, the, in steps 10 through 12. We live in a selfless way of living by giving service to others and sharing our experience, strength, and hope. In order to keep this precious gift, we need to share it and give it away. So here we're talking about recovery, and we're talking about temptation, what it looks like. Here is proof of how God does for us what we could never, ever, ever do for ourselves. What a blessing. There's a way out here. You know, what was Bill doing? He was weighing and measuring his thoughts. He was weighing and measuring his thoughts. And he did the right thing by being honest that drinking wasn't going to save him. But connecting, connection, it's about connection. Connecting himself with another alcoholic would work. Why? Because there's proof here. We all experience that only another alcoholic, not Alcohol, not our substance, but an alcoholic could help another alcoholic. 
And what did Bill choose to connect with? Isolation or another being that would save him from picking up? He suddenly realized, it says, well, that says step 11 is a spiritual awakening. He was open to receive direction from God. He was in the light of the spirit to see what the truth. And in order, I lost my sentence here, in order, oops. Okay, I closed my book. I'm so sorry. Let me open it again. Okay, so he suddenly realized that, yeah, in order to save himself, here is where honesty comes in in step 11. The truth always sets us free. And what action do we take with this? How do we bring it from our thoughts into our hearts and down into our feet to become it? He must, must is step 11 Uh, principle is perseverance he is doing something despite the difficulty that he was feeling here he's doing the right thing as opposed to doing what he felt like doing and then carry the message to another alcoholic principle of step 12 is service walking the thought out he is carrying the gift the message the message of god because he is being carried by god thank you so much i pass Thank you, Irini M. Maura Z, it's your turn, followed by Leah M. Good morning, Liness. Thank you for your service. Maura Z recovered in Virginia. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. So when I want to just, you know, finish my work day and, and, you know, get home and make my dinner and take care of my critters and then just relax and watch, you know, 42 Hallmark movies in a row, I can't do that. And it has finally come to me that I don't want to do that. I don't want to fritter my day away. I do the work I'm supposed to be doing in order to bring an income into my home, and I do the work I'm supposed to be doing in order that I have a home. Because if I put anything in front of my program, I'm going to lose that very thing. So while I'm out making calls on businesses and such, I have my higher power with me. And keeping my higher power with me enables me to be available when I'm needed to do service. I don't like going out in the evenings, but I was asked to speak at a new big book study meeting they're having. It's a different format. And I said yes, because I've been taught to say yes when asked to do service. Because every bit of service, one alcoholic working with another, is vital to my permanent state of being recovered. That's a gift in my life. That is a precious, precious gift, not only in my life, which has given me my life. And that's very important to me. I can't just go on my merry way and think everything is going to be fine and everything is going to work out beautifully and I'm going to have what I need. Well, that might work. But I like to live a life of usefulness, 
pain and happy usefulness is a phrase from a For Today reading. And I always, always appreciated that phrase, especially when those of you who are recovered were willing to sit down with me and share what you had been blessed with from a point of being recovered. That enables me to continue to pay it forward. And I'm grateful to be able to do that on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maura Z. Leah M., it's your turn. And Lisa B., you're up next. Thank you very much. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. I'm grateful to Dr. Silkworth for giving me the technique into uh, how to work with another person. Uh, there is an art <laughs> to it um, that... You know, I don't start off with spirituality and, you know, relationship with God. That's not where I start. I start off by, uh, through the telling of my story, to allow someone to identify in, through that telling, I talk about the exact nature of my illness. Because I myself needed an education about the exact nature of my condition. I certainly knew I had a problem with food. I knew I had a problem with compulsive overeating. I did not know how my disease functioned. This disease grabbed me by the roots of my hair when I was a kid, and it dragged me around on the sidewalk uh, and only continued to get worse as the years passed. Um, you know, the best thinking I had uh, was, uh, you know, eliminating certain foods, and uh, that thought was supported, uh, you know, even when I went to Overeaters Anonymous at the age of 19. But, you know, if physical allergy around those foods were my only problem, I wouldn't be in Overeaters Anonymous because I wouldn't need the 12 steps. All I would have to do is figure out which foods triggered the physical craving and abstain, and it would be an academic and intellectual exercise, and I did that for a long time, even within the rooms. But that does not work for someone like me because I'm a real compulsive overeater. I have a second problem, and it is a worse problem. I have a mental problem, <laughs> and that may not surprise uh, many of you. I have a mental problem. The big book calls it the obsession of the mind. And that is my main problem, and it centers in my mind. And I did not understand that for years, for years, until someone cracked open the text and through their experience and through the words on these pages brought this to life. And I began to see, and my disease pounded it into me, that there was an urgency and a necessity for this spiritual remedy. Uh, you know, I had other dreams for myself, you know, that, that could be true. But, you know, then to be on the line this morning and every morning and, and to work with people at 4 a.m. And, and at nighttime. Uh, but, uh, you know, for someone like me, strenuous work, it's a Jack Hamill word. It's not just work, it's strenuous work. 
So I just want to say, you know, if you're new, wrapping up, or not so new, it's my experience, there is hope here. When you're through with compulsive overeating and when you're convinced, there is a way out of this. It is possible to be relieved of the mental obsession for food, to be able to have a dramatic change in your personality, character, and values, and have a spiritual awakening. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Lisa B., it's your turn, and Leah S., you'll be next. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Lynn. My name is Lisa B. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I wanted to share um, how I identify with this reading. And, you know, focusing sometimes is an issue for me, so I have notes written all in my uh, big book from just different times that I've been studying with all of you, with sponsees, and from my uh, first sponsor that I had. So what jumps out for me is the word effect. And I needed to understand that that's a verb, and it means to bring about an impact or a change. I can bring about an impact or a change on another person. I can be useful. I'm uniquely qualified by sharing my own experience with this uh, grave illness. And that, that's just a wonderful feeling to be useful. The other word that jumps out for me is spiritual remedy. And that's just a, a beautiful word there. Spiritual means affecting the human spirit. I've always felt just downtrodden, like I'm carrying the world on my shoulders, full of fear, full of doubt, full of envy, uh, full of resentment. My spirit was just shot. I needed to be shot through with a spiritual remedy, and the 12 steps did that for me. It truly brought about an effect for me. Um, the remedy, remedy means to set right. The other word that I love is vital. We all love that word. It means life-giving. But permanent recovery, permanent means lasting, remain unchanged indefinitely. That's just so full of hope and promise. But I needed to do these steps, you know, and every day. It's just a one-day-at-a-time thing. And, you know, I find um, saying, like, um, in the chapter that we read at the close of the meeting, a vision for you and asking our higher power how I can be useful, asking my higher power, the God of my understanding, the principle of my understanding, the power of my understanding, how I can be useful. But I need to be prepared. It, it can be a big ride that day. Not what I expect. It's not always what I expect. But I need to be open and willing and without um, preconceived ideas. And it's just amazing how this program works. It really works when I work it. It's action. It's all about action. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Leah S., it's your turn. Thank you very much. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Um, uh, they're talking about a business venture that collapsed. And here is Leah S. coming in, a very angry person that has not lost weight yet. And people are talking about a business venture that collapsed. And then they're talking about somebody who had sobered up never to drink again. Now, thank you very, very much. This Leah came in and said, I'm not interested in nobody's business venture, and I'm not interested in nobody's not being able to pick up again. 
all this food. All I need to do is lose the weight in order to present myself, and then I can go back to whatever I was doing previously. What I did not understand is that I wanted to live a life of, that is joyous, free, and without any recriminations. I really wanted to have a life without resentments, without recriminations, re- without retaliations. And this is what this book has been given me, that I... Um, that no matter what I'm going through, whether it's Thanksgiving dinner that's coming up or whether it's New Year's party that's coming up or whether it's a shiva that's coming up, whatever that I have to go through my life, it is vital for me to make these phone calls, to stay abstinent and to work with others. It is vital for me to do service and it is vital for me to to interact with you guys, my fellowship, because this way I can do this one more day and each day. And I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Leah S. We have time for two more shares. Who would like this to This is share? Larry. Okay, Larry, one more. Carmella G. Great. Okay, we have Larry K. followed by Carmela G. Please go ahead, Larry. Sure. Thanks so much, Larry K. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The, um, you know, I, I think for me, uh, you know, I, I came into to program here, and um, you know, it was my false pride, and my my perceptive lens in which I saw the world. See, I I, I came in here. And I, and I knew what I knew, and I had a lot of synthetic knowledge, and none of it, it availed me nothing. It availed me absolutely nothing in relation to this disease. And when we read this morning, see, Bill, Bill had an intellect as well. This, this, was, this was no joker, right? This, this, guy was, this guy was an early, one of the, one of the first. Hey, tell him to calm down. Hey, he may calm down, and I may calm down. But, Logan, but take him outside then. <laughs> Bill was one of the first uh, was one of the first stock analysts, right? And uh, at a time, you know, when there, I mean, this guy was going out when, as a young man, and he was going out and, and visiting companies and so forth, right? Um, and um, and 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 you know, it was it was by his own admission, it was his false pride, as I had false pride coming in. And he had to, th- this really is about ego reduction, and it is about um, shedding ourselves of self-centeredness. It was never about the alcohol for Bill. It was never about the food for me. I had to, I had to get to a place where I could be open to the possibility that there could be some solution beyond my synthetic knowledge. And that t- that's, that's extraordinarily difficult for people. You think it's easy. No, 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 it's not. It's not easy at all. That's extraordinarily difficult. Because for us to truly become, move from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, we have to do some things. And embedded in these steps, if you really look at it, what do we have to do? We have to, we have to take a look at our character flaws. We have to turn that spotlight away from externals and others and turn it on ourselves. 
maybe for the first time in our lives, and begin to explore our character flaws, despite what was done to us. No, no, no. What was my side of the street? And then have the humility to share all of it with another human being, shedding all the masks, right? See, without that, you'll, all you'll ever have, in my opinion and my experience, is temporary sobriety. You will never be brought to this recovered state, not because you can't earn it. This is mercy. This is mercy done by, by doing some work. But you have to do the work to know the deal. You can't experience what I've experienced or what anyone else on this line has experienced unless you do the work. You can't get it by hanging around. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous in this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Carmela G., you'll be the last person to share this morning. Thank you. This is Carmela G. from New York. Um, I, I had a burning desire to share this because the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic And I thought, why? Why? Why, when I work with my sponsees, they say, how did you know that? Because I lived it as a compulsive overeater. For six decades, I had all the isms. I could BS you up the wazoo. And you would believe me, and I could manipulate you, and self-centeredness. And only this program allowed me to get out of myself. When I learned that honesty and humility, that's what we had to do. And my strong religious beliefs, I always had them. But no, now to allow a power greater than myself to inspire to let God be my director every single day, 24 hours a day, and to give him the credit. That's how I was able to shed the excess poundage and to delve into myself and realize all of my defects of character and be willing to admit them and surrender them, and every day I have to work and pray that God will take them from me so that I can help another suffering person in this program. And the promise that strenuous work with one alcoholic was vital to a permanent recovery if we only let God be in charge and be willing to do this work. This is a miracle, and every day I feel like I am a miracle, and I have the gratitude for it. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Carmela G. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning, and thank you to Team Thursday, Toby K, Rocky E, Katie G, Naomi B, Carmela G, Janice M. and Linda D. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The ID for today, Thursday, November the 9th, 2017 is 10652. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. Will Naomi B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Naomi B., uh, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. You will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.